Seriously. These two. You and Katie are great. I totally ship that. Alice is okay. She's a bit of a Mrs. Grundy. Yeah, I, I don't you know? get that reference. Oh, Josh is my idol. That man is a magician. But Quinn, the, the outsider let into the inner sanctum of secret knowledge. As someone born in 1902, I find a heterosexual white male hero very relatable. <laughs> anyway, Quentin is the duck's nuts. No, that cannot be a real thing people said. Yeah, it really can't. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to Physical Kids <laughs> Weekly, episode 304. This week's episode is called Be the Penny. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we're thrilled to have Arjun Gupta with us again this week to talk about this very penny-centric episode. Welcome back, Hello. Arjun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> um, I have to say, I really, really love this episode. And a huge part of that is just like going into this season, I had no idea what to expect from, from your storyline, from Penny's storyline, um, since he's not really in the books for the, the quest. And so for me, it's really gratifying to see the writers seize this as an opportunity to expand on your character instead of sidelining him. Thank you. First of all, thanks that uh, I'm thrilled to hear that it's uh, that you love the episode because it was such a fun episode to do. Um, and obviously, I agree. I'm really grateful to the writers also <laughs> that they that they're expanding because it's actually something that um, I feel like I've just had as getting the honor to play Penny. I kind of had the the fortune that. Um, you know, because he is kind of in the books in and out. So, you know, yeah. so like in little moments, really, for the books, we've really gotten the opportunity to flesh it out throughout the seasons. And this is just an extension of that. Um, but just a little behind the scenes uh, info for you all about yeah, what also made us. this. <laughs> what made this episode really special, I think, for everyone was um, this is our first. Um, this was Shannon Coley's first episode uh directing our show and um she is our she was our camera operator i mean she's a brilliant filmmaker in her own right and she's been making shorts and independent films her for a while but um she's been our a camera operator just uh, a fucking rock star for the last few years and um it was such a thrill to watch her step into this new role and be our be our director it was uh just really uh incredible and we had a blast, um, and I was I was so grateful that um, I had the pleasure of, wor of working with her uh, so much during this episode because it, it, she's mm. great. She's great. Uh, it, I really love hearing all those stories and and seeing how what a supportive environment it is for for everyone, for cast, for crew, for anyone who's involved with the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I've been really fortunate. Um, you know, there's a lot of news about our industry at this moment, and a lot of it's true. I mean, our industry is quite heinous um, in a lot of ways, but uh, it can be done when it's done right. It is really magical. And unfortunately, it's not done right a lot of the time. Uh, in fact, most of the time, it's sadly not because egos get in the way, money gets in the way, and, and then ego gets back in the way. Um, <laughs> uh, and so uh, that's always unfortunate. But I was fortunate um, to have... I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the cast, obviously, um, but I know that they all feel really similarly about the collaborative spirit that's required um, to make something special and great. Um, but I really had the the fortune of working with Edie Falco um, and Eve Best and Anna Devere Smith and Merritt Weaver and Stephen Wallam and these incredible New York artists um, 
on Nurse Jackie. And I was 23 mm-hmm. when I started that job. It was my first real gig. Um, and to be on that, to be on that show, um, was my grad school. And even though I, I'd like to, I like to believe that I act now the way that I would have always acted. Um, the truth of the matter is I was really young there at that time and really impressionable and having Edie be the model of how to leave it a set and the grace with which she did that and does that and the compassion and the collaboration um, and that that attitude of, you know, there's no I'm above. Edie doesn't act like she's above anything. She's like in there, blue collar, like, let's get the work done, you know, in with the smile. She's the first one there to rehearsal. She's never late. She always is prepared. And all of that stuff was really, really important for me to learn and stuff that I hope that I've been able to carry on as I've um, as I've had the honor of being one of the lead actors on this show. Yeah. It's great to hear. Um, I want to I just want to go back really quickly and because I think we sort of skipped over this and just say uh, Shannon, you said her name was the director for this episode. Yeah, Shannon. Uh, major prop, Shannon. This is an amazing episode. And like, it seems so hard to act and so hard to direct and so hard to like, this is, this is not an easy debut, directorial debut. So I uh, just want to no. throw some extra yeah. props out there. <laughs> Good job. No, I mean, yeah, you're, you're talking about this, this episode, especially, um, you know, you had to film things, you had to be really clear and, and as the director, know, kind of edit ahead of time. You know, when are we seeing Penny? When are we not seeing Penny? When are we through the lens of Penny's eyes? When are we seeing him in the background? Like, and just helping us as actors know. I mean, it was easy for me because I was playing Penny who got to see everything all the time. But for the other actors, hmm. like helping them make sure they were on the same page about when the when yeah. when to listen to Penny, how to do that. Um, they had to shoot a lot of scenes multiple times with me mm-hmm. and then without me. It was very, it was very... Um, ambitious, ambitious, uh, episode for sure. Yeah. Well, we, we should get talking about it, but first I think we have some questions about your, your other work this year. So Danny. <laughs> yeah. Um, we know that you've had a busy year. Tell us about your new film, The Hungry. Yeah. So The Hungry was, um, is, uh, it actually dropped on Amazon in the U.S. on January 5th. So <laughs> if you haven't watched it, fix your life and watch it now. Um, it was a film I did right after we actually wrapped season two. Uh, it was uh, I went out to India and shot this film that was a, a joint U.K.-Indian production. And it was an indie flick very different than the kind of films that have been coming out of India for the last 20 years, but in line with this kind of new uh, independent movement that's happening there. That's, that's really, really exciting to me. Um, and it's, it's just, it was the, it's called the hungry. It's an adaptation of Titus Andronicus. Um, it's a brutal, uh, take on humanity, but mm-hmm. an important take on humanity and an important insight into who we can be, um, because it's truthfully that is a part of our humanity, right? Um, and for me, 
I mean, on so many levels, on a professional level, it was just a great experience. On an artistic level, it was uh, incredibly fulfilling and such an opportunity to stretch. This character is very, very different. You know, I play this character, Sonny, who's the black sheep, very emasculated. Um, he's kind of, well, I'll let you all watch it and see what <laughs> you think. But he's 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 very a diff- he's a different kind of person than Penny. Um, yeah, really different. <laughs> Even though they may struggle with some of the same things, they're, they're very, very different. Um, so artistically, to stretch into that, and I was terrified of that part because it was, you know, it was it was for me a big stretch, and it felt um, really exciting to do. Um, and then it was just, you know, exciting to go work in another country, see how people work, see how um, some so how Indian actors work their craft, and then Nasir Din Shah is, you know, he's our I say our, I mean Indians. He's like our Pacino. He's <laughs> a fucking legend, and he's the he's so cool and such a fun, fun. Um, he's fun incredible in to it work too. With. Yeah, I mean he's he's something else. He's he's special. He's a special man, and um, you know. And then, you know, personally, you know, some beautiful things happened for me through there. In that, you know, I fell in love with the costume designer, and mm-hmm. and we've been. Uh, you know, I've been we've been dating since. So it just was it hit it hit all of these amazing levels for me. And and, and I'm so uh, really grateful for it. That's really great. You were talking before. Uh, so I'm just going to say this because we'll probably reference it. So we uh, yeah. tried recording this episode once before and had a little bit of a technical failure. Um, so uh, I might mention a couple things we talked about before. You mentioned that um, the budget was really tiny on it. And so now I've actually okay. I've seen it all the way through. Um, I caught right. it right before The Magician started tonight. Oh, um, cool. And it's, it's incredible. It's really... You you would not imagine that this is a low budget film. It's it's be- shot beautifully, um, it's right. lit beautifully, it's acted spectacularly. Everything about it is is rich. Thank you. Um, yeah, we did a um, there's a there's a word in Hindi uh, jugar, which uh, it's not really translatable, but it, it's kind of like it's kind of what MacGyver does, you know, <laughs> usually without the life or death stakes. But it's oh. just it's it's making shit out of nothing it's making shit work which is a, which is like a which is a real a real um it's a real quality of indianness truthfully mm. and so watching our art director pull the pull that peacock together um watching her pull those flowers together that was throughout mm. watching uh watching the costume team pull together those outfits and, and working with people to find those outfits, finding the jewelry, um, you know, and then using the fog, like, look, this was, this was like, okay, the fog's here. Let's go run and let's run and catch it and shoot kind of deal. You know, it was this kind of film. Um, so, so it was all like that real came into fog. Play. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're fortunate. Like we were shooting that in, in this little, <laughs> I mean, most of you guys were listening, but it's, it was near Delhi. Let's just put it that way. It was near Delhi in India um, in December, and that's like the heavy fog time in the north. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of that shit was real, yeah. Do you feel like filming in India and, and doing an Indian film uh, changed your relationship to India? Yes, 100%. You know, I've, I've lived in India. I go back to India a lot. Um, India's always been very important to me. Um 
I've traveled through India myself. I feel very comfortable in India. But now that I've worked in India, it's it's just another level of feeling like a part of that nation. Um, and reconnecting with that nation and on or connecting with that nation on a different 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 level and a deeper level for me. Um because I was, and because it wasn't a U.S. production that was out there, you know, it was like an Indian right. and U.K. production. Like it was an Indian production, man. All the motherfuckers were Indian, you know. It <laughs> was beautiful. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. And then you know, it's hard to interplace the personal side of things. Obviously, like that's also, you know, that's also affecting my relationship with India as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a positive way, I would say. Well, or positive, might... negative is irrelevant, but you know, just in a way. Yeah. You know? Um, that might be a good point for us to segue into your podcast, American Desis. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you did with that this year? And, and tell us, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with it, just like give the one minute intro to your podcast too. Sure. Yeah. American Desis was a project I started with one of my closest friends, Akash Singh, who's a comedian in New York. Funny dude. Check him out. Um, we started a few years ago just because we wanted to do some shit together, truthfully. And <laughs> the conversation that we wanted to explore centered around our Indianness because we always came back to like how does our Indianness affect our Americanness like what does it mean as a product of two lands um, how do we exist in this space so we started talking to people and for a few years that was just a podcast talking to people that were like us um, and just exploring um, you know after about a we did a hundred episodes just like that and after that long truthfully we kind of burnt out a little bit um, you know, both of us, I was running a theater company, he was hustling, and I was shooting multiple things and traveling across the world. Like, it became a lot to then be uh, doing a podcast at the same time. As you all know, as yeah. I'm talking about podcasting, <laughs> podcasting yeah. it's, it's work, you know, and, um, you know, if it's not your, your full-time hustle, it, it can get, it can get uh, tough. So, um I, uh, so this year we decided what we wanted to do was we wanted to make it more manageable for our, our plates. And as we were looking around what we wanted to talk about, um, we just felt like health and wellness was a, a theme we wanted to discuss. And so we did an arc um, where we looked at health and wellness topics, um, emotional, mental, and physical wellness from an Eastern perspective and an American perspective. It was our way of still staying true to the theme of the show, but while focusing on this, on this topic. And, you know, fortunately, we added uh, uh, an incredible woman, Sundia Simhan, to our, our um, team this year, who has been just an amazing producer helping us be organized and and be a little bit tighter with the show, just ha helping us take it to a, a little bit more legit level. Um, so shouts to her for joining. She's awesome. And and hope you all check it out. It's not, you know, it's it's a it's a podcast that I feel like people might at times feel like if they're not South Asian or of South Asian descent, they can't enjoy it. But the truth of the matter is, it's everything we talk about is real, really universal. Um, a theme that I think about in art a ton is. Um, we see the the universal through the specific. Mm -hmm. And so for us, while being really specific about the South Asian community, we're still talking about universal themes. Well, and yeah. I can attest to that. I, I listen to, I don't listen to every single episode, but I listened to a couple this season. And uh, I think I listened to one that was on, um, it was like reclaiming yoga and one that was oh, on mental yeah. health, which I know is like a really big topic for you. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk to us about uh, sort of where your passion comes from around mental health? 
Yeah, I mean, I think my my passion for mental health, um, it, it stems for just a, a whole passion I have around self care, and 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 that really stems from just what it's done for me in the last um, eight. 10 years of my life, you know, um, I started therapy eight years ago. Um, and back then I know we've worked, I think as a, as a, a society, we've changed a lot in our, our understanding and our attitude towards mental, like seeking mental health help, seeking therapy mm-hmm. or professional counseling of some kind. But I do think that back then, and, and I think we can go further to, to recognize that, you know, I didn't have, I was fortunate. I didn't have a big trauma that I was processing or, um, nothing that anyone would have said was necessarily that dramatic, but I still, I recognized that there were obstacles that I was putting in front of my, my self that was stopping me from being the person I wanted to be. Um, and I needed help. And I was really fortunate to have a community around that supported me and actually encouraged the idea of therapy or seeking help. Like that was invaluable. Um, and I'm forever grateful to those people. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I have a, there's this quote, a Marianne Williamson quote, which I, if anyone's heard me, heard, listen to me in the past, I, I say I bring this up almost all the time that I speak with anyone. Um, but it's a quote that I find is my guiding light, and it's that our deepest fear is not that we are. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm. And as we unlock our light, we unconsciously give those around us the permission to unlock their light. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Apologies, Marianne. Um, (laughs) But um, I really do believe very deeply in, in the truth in the truth of, of all of our lights. I, I, I have an immense, immense belief in the potential of humanity. Um, I have skepticism in our execution of that potential at this moment, um, but I have an immense belief in our potential, and I think that self-care is one of the ways where we can unlock the, that light, and I think that mental health is one of the ways we can unlock that light. All right. Well, yeah, go yeah. listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unlock your light. <laughs> yeah it is really uh, I've only caught a couple episodes um, but I definitely think people can enjoy it that aren't necessarily um, of your same culture like I, I think there's room for everyone to enjoy other people's um, perspective I mean I know a lot of people enjoyed the movie Coco this year and they weren't necessarily Latino descent um but I, I thought that was actually really interesting, uh, that movie, because uh, I am um, Mexican. And it really reminded me of my culture. That was really cool. Well, I think that's, I mean, I think that's the nature of, I think everyone understands the nature of Americanness to be founded by immigrants. I mean, let's yeah. be, I think that even even the, the people that argue uh, for Americanism that is this very small sliver of, of of whiteness, right? Even for them, I think that on some level they have to understand that they they weren't they weren't from this land. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think for all of us, you know, experiencing other cultures is 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 deeply American because that's that's how we were founded. You know? I mean mm-hmm. 
the railroads in the West were built by the Chinese. I mean, you obviously have, you know, African-Americans that were brought in not by their choice, but still they've had a profound influence on music and culture in many ways. And, you know, the Latino culture, what they've done for culture now, what the South Asian culture is doing, like, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I have issues with the whole melting pot pot idea because I think that that implies a losing mm. of culture into a formation of another, which is an interesting, you know, argument because I was just in Cuba and I, I think they actually do that where they're Cuban first um, before their own whatever they came from before. Mm-hmm. But here, I think we're more of, um, you know, a salad, you know, a salad <laughs> where. <laughs> you know, not everything's been blended together or, or melted together. It's just it, this. We are all these different things that come together to make uh, hopefully a delicious meal. Um, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, again, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting time in this space, not to get too political on this podcast because it's, you know, it's a podcast about the magicians. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's an interesting time to be American, to explore what that is right now. And um yeah, I don't have all the. I, I actually, don't, I don't. I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> well, I think one of the things I really appreciate about your podcast is that you you tackle these hard questions and hard conversations, and not just ones about race, ones about like sexuality and gender identity and ego and like all sorts of really widely varying topics. And the big thing that I think you both go into it with is let's be compassionate and figure this out together and fuck up and then learn and apologize and move forward. Um, yeah, I think I, that's I've like the it. nicest thing for me as a listener. Yeah. I mean, look, I, we, we, for, we, we often think about, we want to be, we want to ask the questions of people who don't think they can ask, right? Because they're too afraid to ask. Like, we'll take that heat. Let's do it. Because the truth of the matter is we need to be, there's a lot of ignorance in the world about everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm ignorant about Iceland. You know, I'm ignorant <laughs> about I'm ignorant about Argentina in certain ways or Chile or the difference between the two. Like I can't tell you that much about Japanese culture. I can't tell you that much about Chinese culture and the difference thereof. Like I'm, there are things of which I am ignorant, you know? And if someone shames me for it, it doesn't help me learn. And it doesn't help me grow. And mm-hmm. I think that we you know, and oftentimes I know it's difficult because those of us that feel marginalized um, in many ways, the onus becomes on us to educate and that can be tiring and difficult. And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't, I, I understand that concern, but I do think that compassion um, is important. And I think mm. compassion it, to those that are ignorant it is important. Now it needs to be met with a willingness on those, on the part of those who are, are ignorant to listen and mm-hmm. be open, right? But um, yeah, I mean, that's been really, you know, important to both Akash and I. Akash is a big thing where he says it all the time. He says, like, liberals are the most closed minded people really out there. And a lot of times that's sadly become very apparent, you know, uh, that the left really uh, hopefully has been opening their eyes. And I had to do this to myself, you know, um, recognizing that my righteousness. Became, turned into judgmentalness. That's not a word. Turned into judgment. And I thought, and it became a space where I felt like I was above hmm. um, these other people. And what happened, but the, and, the, and the truth is that's, um, whether it's, 
I don't believe in it, right? And whether you believe in it or not is irrelevant because it's not in service of finding solutions, right? Mm-hmm. I think that we need to turn into where we start focusing on solutions. So um, at the end of the day, it all goes back to compassion for me and compassion to self and compassion to others um, as much as possible. Well, it shows. Uh, Danny, yeah. I think you had one more question, right? Uh, so what's this we hear about a book deal? <laughs> um, well, it's not a book deal per se, right? Um, we <laughs> we just started <laughs> tweeting about that shit um, <laughs> and talking about it maybe a little prematurely. No, there's a, a, a beautiful man who says goodness. He says, oh, my goodness, which I love. I can't get over it. Um, Eric, Eric Smith, shouts to you, brother. Um, he reached out to us, and he was interested in helping us make Turn American Daisies and the Theme into a book. And so that is something that we are exploring are actively exploring and, and, and putting together different ideas. Um, you know, Akash and I are very new. First of all, we were very new with the fucking podcast world and now the book world is even more new for us. So, um, it's definitely something that's taken its time, but it's something that we're working on and, and excitedly. Um, I'm also going to put this out so that maybe I can be held accountable because I haven't really started working on this. Not, I have an idea for a children's book that I want to do. And so, um, now that I've said it out loud, uh, Y'all can help me make sure I do it. <laughs> uh, well, we'll be on you to beta read that. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I've been trying to write a children's book for like five years. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, we just got open that Microsoft Word, Danny. Let's okay. We'll hold each other accountable, man. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing is, man, my nieces are four years old, man. I read books to them all the fucking time, and I and Chris's daughter Poppy is is three years old, and I read books to her. Man, it's it may be like four hundred words is all it requires to make <laughs> yeah. a children's book. It's like, come on, man, come See? on. I tweet, I tweeted all that. I tweets like when I'm live tweeting with everybody, I put probably like a thousand words in tweets. I can handle four hundred <laughs> words. It's just like. Get the get, man, fucking get on it. See, but that's why it's hard, right? Like the the fewer words there are, the more polished they have to be. Sure, but like, but that's different, Claire. It's not like I said I started. I've written ten drafts of it, and I can't find the final draft. I haven't put the words on fucking paper yet. Ugh. Okay, yeah, you should definitely you should write yeah. ten drafts of that four hundred word story. See, that's... see the compassion. All right, no that more excuses for you. About. Yep. That I haven't given myself. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like convincing us not to give it to you. Arjun. I know. I know, know, man. I guess that's partly why I'm so hypersensitive to compassion is because it's actually been something that's been very hard for me to cultivate. Self-compassion is incredibly difficult, I find. It is. I think it's hard for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. It's strange. You know, there was a moment when I (laughs) really clicked for me a few years ago. I was like, wait a minute. If anyone else in the world was saying this to me, whether it was a problem, like I was hurting from a breakup or whether I felt insecure about something or whether I, like, I um, was in pain for whatever reason, if someone else was saying it to me, would I treat them the way I treat myself? And the answer was almost always no. Yeah. I always found that I treated myself worse for saying something than I would treat someone else. Um, I don't know if that's something other people find, but if you do, oh, yeah. start being aware of that because that's really strange and and um, just good to notice. My therapist big on is big on that one. She always asks me like she she always talks about my best friend Anna, and she's like, okay, if Anna said that to you, what would you say to her? And yeah. then I make faces and 
admit that I would be nice. <laughs> right. It's a great practice, you know? I mean, that's what, like, that's what I love about meditation, right? And I know we're talking, we'll get to the magicians, everyone. Don't worry. <laughs> we will. I have full faith that we'll get to this amazing episode, episode four. But hold on, hear me out. I'm on a soapbox, I'm on a roll. Meditation, my thing about meditation is this, is that it gives us space to process things, right? So what I love about meditation is, is it, um, it my meditation teacher said, um, start using the language because I, I study insight meditation where you, you bring your awareness to one of five spaces, either it's your breath, your body, your emotional life, your, your, your thought life or sounds. So I, I tend to bring it to breath. This is my personal preference. Um, and invariably, your mind will go somewhere else because that's what our mind does. The mind will go to thought. It'll go to, oh, oh shit, I got to go grocery shopping. Oh, oh shit, I got to remember to write that email. Or it'll go to some fantasy about some judgment. I was feeling, oh, my God, I can't believe that that thing happened yesterday, whatever. Wherever it might be, right? So the practice then is to just notice, okay, I went to planning. I, oh, uh, oh, I'm feeling mm -hmm. anxious. Um, so what I love is uh, my meditation teacher, John Aaron, who we interview, um, on on these on the American Daisies, uh, he said, start using language that don't say I am anxious or I am thinking. Say thinking is happening. Say anxiety hmm. is happening. Passive um, voice. Because we we have a tendency to personalize these personalized with these, uh, mm. frankly, involuntary actions of thinking and feeling. Um, and then we give them so much power that they start controlling us. You know, our thoughts control us, our feelings control us. When in fact, we are not our feelings, we are not our thoughts. Um, and meditation really gives us the opportunity to, to have a little bit of space to then choose what to do with the thoughts and feelings we see. Okay, that I'm I'm scared that if I go for this audition, um, I might get rejected. Okay, that's a fear. Do I want to listen to that fear? Hmm. No, I don't. Oh, I feel scared because something about that road doesn't feel right, and I don't like the way those people are looking at me. Okay, do I want to listen to that fear? Maybe <laughs> that might be a fear that's useful to you. Um, so. I don't really know what started that, but that's I, I like it. So there you go. Well, we like you, and I think everyone loves hearing you on your soapbox. So uh, yeah. Very sweet. Uh, so yeah, busy year was an understatement. I don't know. I feel like we just covered like every single possible way to be involved in media. No, you haven't told us that you started painting yet, but we're we're getting close. No, that, no. That won't um, Dancing. Yeah, but yeah, th so thanks for taking the time out to chat with us. And uh, now I think we should make you regret that decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we, were, when we were putting together this episode and thinking about what to do, we thought it could be fun. Um, did you see the, the like teaser trailers that Sci-Fi's been putting out, the like royal advice with Elliot and Margot? Yeah, actually, yeah, I saw, I saw them, yeah. Okay, well, like, I haven't watched Elliot and Margot are honest. great. Elliot and Margot are, are great. Fantastic. Summer and Hale are fantastic. But uh, I think we really need to get some advice from Penny. <laughs> so we're going to do a segment called <laughs> Penny for Your Thoughts. And the way this is going to work is Danny's going to read some questions from our listeners. And Arjun, we'd like you to answer them as Penny. Great. But, <laughs> I, but can, I, 
Can I do him as both? Can I do him as Penny and Arjun? Can I do it like Penny voice and then yeah, and then slip into Arjun voice? All right, yeah, cool. so, absolutely. But you got to tell yeah. us which is which because otherwise you're gonna get yourself in trouble. I, I really hope <laughs> it's gonna be apparent, but I will. I will <laughs> clarify for for you all. Uh, all right, hit Danny. Me, Danny. Okay. <laughs> the first one comes from not a ladies' man. They want to know how do I talk to girls and how can I get them to like me. Um. Well, you take your dick out of your purse and go talk to them. Shit. You fucking, you go talk to them and you, uh, you do it. You just, you you do it. Um, if that was unclear, that was the penny advice. Um, (laughs) Oh, we all thought that was Arjun. (laughs) The Arjun advice would be, um, uh, first of all, where are you trying to meet people? Because if you're trying to meet people out just at a bar, um, why? I mean, sure, it's it's an option, but why don't you find an activity that you love? And when you go and do that activity, you'll meet other people and you'll already know there's a like, there's a shared likeness. So you can then already, it's a space where you can meet and it's more organic. And then just in any way that you're trying to connect with someone, listen, you know, just listen. Um, because that's really what connecting is about, listening and responding. Um, so if you're really listening to someone, uh, connecting and having a conversation will be really easy um, because you'll hear what's interesting to them and, then, and you'll ask questions and you'll want to find out more because you'll want to connect. Um, so if, you're, if your desire is to just talk to ladies and try to pick up ladies, um, then go listen to Penny. If your idea <laughs> is to connect, then, then try what I, what I suggest. The next one comes from Dreamer. I have a complicated relationship with my family, and they don't want me to pursue my dreams because they're worried I'll get hurt. What should I do? Yeah, yeah. Fuck your family. (laughs) Fuck your family. Live your life. Um, That's Penny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But actually, my advice isn't isn't um, family's tough. Family's always tough. Family's tough because it's mixed with just this love and the boundaries are blurred oftentimes. And and um, and weirdly, because you guys are because you guys are so close, it's harder to be vulnerable in this strange way. It's harder to be real. It's harder to talk sometimes. Um, but my advice is, man, look, you got to live your life. You got to live your life. Um, so that is important. And I think that if you have a passion, you must follow it. You, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the rest of your life to follow it. I also have a deep belief that if you are living from your place of passion, you'll work harder. You'll work better. You'll work with a smile on your face. Hmm. Um, and that will... Whether you believe in the laws of attraction or not is irrelevant. It will make your daily life better. And the results will be joyous because your daily life is great. Um, Regarding your family, I can't speak to the complicated relationship you have outside of this. But I would say that um, maybe try to really talk to them. And really talk to them from a place of understanding. And a place of understanding that their fear is coming from that they don't want you to get hurt. That's a, that's a place of love, right? And their love may be not the kind of love you need right now because what you leave is need is support. But you 
if you can come from a place of empathy of understanding that they are that they love you and that they are just scared, mm-hmm. you can help them ease their fears. You can say, hey, listen, I got this. I can handle this. I can handle what happens if this doesn't work out because I know what I'm capable of. But what I what will help me do it and what will help me succeed is having your support. And using that kind of language to to talk might help. Might help. Solid advice. <laughs> the last one comes in from in trouble and out of time. <laughs> How do astral project currently stuck in middle of Earth send help? <laughs> um, I think first stop wasting your time emailing us <laughs> and, and and get out of the middle. This this one there's not going to be a penny or an origin on this one because I don't I don't I actually I don't know <laughs> I don't know man uh, maybe like read a book and and practice. <laughs> That's what I got for you on that. <laughs> All right. I should uh, start. I should start a Dear Abby column as oh, both Penny and its origin. Yes. So uh, we have a Tumblr, and I have we have a Tumblr that we started trying this on, and then we forgot about it for like six months. Uh, but if you want it, I have it on good authority that the uh, owner would be happy to hand it over to you. <laughs> what? But pennyforyourthoughts.tumblr.com. <laughs> oh, look at that. Uh-huh. Oh, word. I would need that. That's more typing that you've asked me to do, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick I, to the children's book. I want to do, <laughs> do some, like, Fraser-style call-in show, man. I mean, I'm not qualified <laughs> at all. Well, you got to talk to Trevor about that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trevor. I, lo- I love Trevor. Uh, I don't know if Trevor's going to listen to this, but shouts to him. I'm so glad he's here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, having Brittany and um, Trevor added to an already strong cast has been really lovely. Yeah, yeah they're amazing. Uh, even adjusted. Not added. I mean, sorry. I mean, I should clarify. They've been here before, but having them there in a more consistent yeah, and, and and yeah, yeah as regulars. Um, yeah. Uh, amen. To yeah. That. <laughs> cool. So on that note, I think we should probably start talking about the episode when you get back <laughs> to your parents at some point. So uh, I'm going to start just by asking Danny our usual question. And of course, Arjun, feel free to jump in. What did you think of Be the Penny? Um, it is my favorite episode of the season thus far. I should put that out there. Um, I'm excited for more. But I always like the, the Penny-centric episodes. But this was very strong episode. Um, I I just thought it was a very good blend of very fucking hilarious and <laughs> kind of deeply serious. Yeah, I am with you there. This is also my favorite episode of the season so far, and it is I think one of the strongest in um, in the series, uh, if not yeah, the strongest. Yeah, the whole show. It's uh, and it's it's for all the reasons that we sort of mentioned briefly at the top, right? Like this is really ambitious. There's a lot of stretch work for everyone, for actors, for cast, for crew, for this apparently debuting director. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also I I, I really love when the writers kind of go off, I mean, literally go off book when they start doing things that like take more creative license. I came to this mm-hmm. show because I love Lev's books and 
I originally had, I think, that that orientation toward it that a lot of book fans have toward adaptations, which is like, oh shit, are they going to mess up my book? It's going it, to, you know, it's not going to be a faithful adaptation. But now that we've been with it for, this is the third season, um, I've come to really, I, I just, I think I fall more and more in love with the episodes that are totally original. And I think that that's where the writers really shine when they get to like be wacky and creative and take liberties. So uh, for all those reasons, love this yeah. episode too. It's well, kind of like your your favorite fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's thrilling to hear. It's thrilling to hear that this episode has been um, that you guys are responding to it that way. We had fun. We had fun doing this. It was my one of my. You know, it, it's hard not to sound really vain in, in talking <laughs> about this episode because, or, or being positive about this episode because I, uh, you know, I was in every shot, um, <laughs> almost. Um, but it, 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 reading it, reading it, it. it it, it jumped off the page as one of our strongest scripts, yeah. and I think it was it was really tight. It was ambitious, and it was uh, bold in that it really we they fucked with the structure of the magicians, you know. And and all of a sudden we have a we've never had an episode. We've never really had a point of view. I mean, Quentin at the beginning of the show kind of was was our way in, and he was the main character, quote unquote. But it's been an ensemble show for a long time. Um, and with that, to switch point of views um, to one character is is really interesting. Um, and I was honored that, you know, they they let it be with Penny. Um, and it also, I think, it, it, you know, Penny's a, a good one to do because the 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 frustration that anyone would feel, I feel like um, the other characters might turn really internal about that, mm -hmm. that frustration and that fear of like, how do I, where am I, how do I connect? But for Penny, he goes really out. <laughs> he becomes very <laughs> external a lot, especially at the beginning. And, and, and it was, um, it, it, it was really fun. Um, you know, I kind of, I got to play Penny as if he was, you know, the audience, he was you guys. You know, yeah. he got to be y'all watching the show. He got to be the audience watching a horror movie and being like, "What the fuck, man? Don't walk, don't walk <laughs> in that door. What are you doing?" Um, and and that was really that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, you know the writers this season, and I, I said this to all of their faces. Um, I felt like in the second season, in the first season, they were trying to be their books they were trying not be the books but trying to live really up to that pressure of adapting a books the second season they were um i feel like finding their voice but still a little uh scared to really drop into it i think there was a little bit of uh, straddling the fence slightly this season was been really thrilling and from the first episode i feel like um they're like unapologetically know who they are yeah. um and they're not trying to cater to anyone except this is our show. Um, this is what we're doing. And they've been doing it. And it's been I think the results are really excellent. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there will be many episodes that you will love from from here on out. It's funny that that like the more you yeah. try to play into what you think your fans want, the less successful you are at it. And the more you just like do your authentic thing and, and uh, get creative and be yourself and use your voice, the better people respond to it. It's a funny thing. Well, Someone should study well, that. I think, well, I think there's a, I think it's the difference between results oriented thought and process oriented thought. 
Um, and I think this is something that I've really learned in um, acting um, and also in life. But um, I'll speak mainly to the acting thing because I've done a lot of life talking today. Um, <laughs> when you start focusing on the result you want, you start focusing on, okay, I'm supposed to be anxious in this scene or I'm supposed to be uh, – I'm supposed to have a heartbreak in this scene or I'm supposed to be really um, – I'm supposed to have something, some result that I'm looking for in the scene. If I start focusing on that, I'm fucked. I'm mm-hmm. fucked because you start focusing on the result. You're not in the scene. You can't allow anything organic or truthful to come. If I stay focused in the process, if I'm locked into the process, which in acting is what's happening in the scene, the circumstance of the scene, how I'm listening and how I'm responding, um, you allow for the result to come forth. So result, result has to be a byproduct of process. And if you're thinking about my fans' reactions or the audience's reaction, that's the result. You fucked. Because you're playing for something. If you're st- if you're steeped into a, result, a process, and the the fan reaction is a byproduct, then you have a chance, you know. Yeah. Um, because the truth is, these results are often influenced by so many other factors that mm. are out of your control, you know. And so, why focus on it? Why even think about it? And I mean, I get why we think about it. I mean, we like that's our human nature, and but. But the more we can get away from it, the more we can focus on process. And, you know, in, in this particular instance, we're talking about the writers and, and their process um, and the process of actually just writing the stories. Um, the better off it, we all are. You're going real deep here today, Arjun. Dog, dog. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm with I, it. I can't believe an hour ago you were like flirting with uh, half the Internet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. You know, well, you know, it's uh, the the dichotomy, man. The dichotomy, the duality is real. Well, let me ask you, like, let me ask you this: Were you guys surprised by the end of season three? Uh, sorry, the end of episode three when Penny died. Was that a surprise to y'all? I mean, you probably talk about it in your in the episode, but I I haven't heard that episode because I don't we think haven't you guys recorded, recorded that one yet. yet. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> So were you were you surprised and like were you and what did you guys think of taking Penny into this astral plane? Like how does that what do you guys feel about that? I'm curious to hear about what this astral plane means to you guys. I'm curious to hear about the suit. I'm curious to hear about the what this I know you guys <laughs> liked it, but what do you I'm curious to hear about what this what what are your um were you surprised? Tell me tell tell me things. <laughs> Danny, you wanna well, start? We do talk about we do talk about the suit in fashion, I believe. Um <laughs> later in this episode we talk about later the suit. Later in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know if I was necessarily completely shocked. I was and I wasn't. It's, I was kind of just like, where, where is this going? Um, I know there has a lot. I mean, season, uh, episode three was a big loss because uh, not only do we lose Penny, but we also lose Alice's father as well. Um, I don't know. I... Uh, was surprised. I was definitely surprised, but in a good way. <laughs> I think it's yeah. interesting. I, I mean, it's. I don't think it's anything like it. They followed that trope, but not not quite the way that, that the magicians does it. Because it's like, you are now forever a astral projection. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, I think like Danny, I don't know if I was really surprised or. I mean, I definitely wasn't shocked. I might have been like a little surprised that they actually followed that the writers actually followed through on it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was more. I mean, 
I still found it really interesting. Um, and I think I found it interesting because it, because of what it opened up for other, for other characters and because, well, there was two things. So first of all, I thought the whole scene around it was really, really interesting with the demon dude and, um, the, and, um, the kind of timing and all the complications around the battery, um, and, finding ways to use magic when there is no magic, I thought were really interesting. So I think like the execution was more surprising than the fact of it itself. What I love about this episode and, and sort of speaking to your question about the astral plane is that sending Penny to the astral plane forces him to be in this position of listening to everyone. Mm -hmm. And it makes you realize like what, like what you said before, that like we've been seeing everything from a different point of view and we just haven't really been questioning that that's a point of view. We've just sort of assumed that that's the default. And now we get to see it from a different point of view and that sort of reminds us that we were always seeing things from a point of view. Wow, super articulate, Clara. Um, <laughs> and No, but you're I, right. It's like, what is the point of view of the show? Like, all of a sudden you have to really question that. Yeah, it makes you realize that you have assumed that Quentin, who is this, like, white dude um, who is, I think, in a lot of ways, a generic, um, like, on a generic hero's journey, it makes you realize that, like, you have thought that this is normal and it's not, it, it's, it's not, it's still a point of view. So I thought that was really interesting. And also it made me realize um, how little Penny does listen to other people um, before this. <laughs> I mean, he listens, he's, and I think part of that is also that he doesn't really, like, he's not a sharer either. Right. Um, so it makes you realize, like, when he is forced to just sit there and listen and also to see how other people see him, it really makes you aware of how, of his limitations um, and makes him aware of them too. Yeah. Even Katie was like, shit, I didn't even really know him. Yeah. Yeah. That was a brutal yeah, moment. I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, I mean, it was thrilling and fun, and, and it was really fun to do. But I think you're right. I mean, I think that um, uh, Penny's on such a such an arc of growth, um, and I think that what we've watched in the first few episodes um, is really a, a, watching him learn how to be an adult from a standpoint of accepting, you know, and taking accountability. And I think that that um, carries through. And I think that this experience of being on the astral plane and, um, you know, I mean, look, I think that Penny gets a rap of that he, he doesn't give a fuck and he doesn't listen and he's not really present. But I think that he is. I think that he mm. um, just chooses to be as involved as he can handle. Mm. Um, but I think that I, I think that everything he does has actually been very little of what he has done has been for himself. I think that's um, true, yeah. I mean, you could argue that, you know, I mean, I have a really interesting thing about the Katie-Penny relationship that, that we'll talk about in a minute. I'll put, we'll put a pin in that. But I, I um, this sends him on an, another journey. This sends him on another level of journey in learning about um, how to do for others, what he should do for others, and what he needs to do for himself. Um, and so it's a really big continue it's a really big catalyst for growth um him this whole episode and you see it at the end when he um when he bees when, the candle when he when he turned like t 
takes that decision when he realizes that he's causing suffering for others and he's also realizing that he's put he's he doesn't like this vulnerability of being in other people's hands so he takes he takes it in his own mm-hmm. he makes the choice for people and and I think that that's you know he's being a man right there you know um he's being his adult version of a boy he's not a boy anymore you know and that's um I think that's interesting to watch yeah seeing him grow up you, you said you had yeah. some thoughts about the Penny Katie relationship. Yeah, I think it's a really unhealthy uh, relationship, and I see it on Twitter a lot. Like Penny Katie are like relationship goals, and I find it really interesting because <laughs> oh, no. um, because I think it's a really toxic and dangerous relationship. Um, one that's based on obligation and based on debt to one another rather than partnership. Um, you know, they don't really listen to each other. You know, he signed a contract even though she didn't want him to because he thought that that was his only way to save her because he thought his responsibility was to save her and mm. do something for her because he owed some debt. You know, they, 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 I just don't, I don't believe in partnership of that nature. I think that it's unhealthy and I think that it sounds romantic, quote unquote. I mean, we want to hear that, like, you know, someone would die for us, but isn't it better if they live for us? Mm. You know, isn't it, isn't it better if we listen to each other and do things together? Um, you know what I mean? He, he, there were decisions that were made on both sides without really communicating with each other, which is a whole other fucking thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it is. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like the relationship between Kenny, Penny and Katie is so much about them solving their own shit through the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's a normal journey in relationships is to have a relationship that's like that. But I am curious to know what the relationship after this is, you know, if there is one Um, for both of them. Do you ship Penny with any particular character? Um, yeah, at this moment, I think that, yeah, I think that, I think that I did. I mean, I always, I always had this theory in the book that there was, um, that, that, that it was kind of, um, similar to Snape, Lillian James um, in Quentin, Allison, and Penny, um, where Penny is Snape, obviously. In I mean, minus like, <laughs> minus like the the evil double agent stuff, because that's yeah. hard to really a- analogize. But I, I do. I think that I think that um, I don't know though. I don't know if I ship um, in our show, in our book, in the book. I would do with Alice in our show. You know, where Alice is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Alice has gone to a place where I'm not sure that it's a really good space for, for Penny. I mean, it would be interesting to watch Penny and Margot together, yeah. where Penny and Margot <laughs> are. I, I think that that would be interesting. But from a, from a, um, uh, wow, wh- who, who do I ship Penny with? Um, I'm going to go with Break Bill's teacher for myself. I don't remember uh, her name. Oh, What's her name? Yeah. Sunderland. Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that would be a fun shit. But like, who would actually be his good partner? Who would make a good partner yeah. for yeah. Penny? Like an actual good partner for Penny? Uh, the closest would probably be um, Alice, you know. But it'd be interesting. I mean, you know, Julia is an interesting possibility. It's interesting to see what they are like together. Um, They're both very like selfless people while also being pretty selfish at the same time. Right. I mean, that's what's hard is like these people are so emotionally stunted at this moment, like finding uh, a partnership. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Some some of your people I'd like to hear answer that. You know, 
I had never thought of, of Penny and Julia before, but as I'm thinking of it, I think um, ha- having just watched the first episode again, um, timelines are weird. This is going to be the like season of time travel for us. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I don't mean in the show. I mean on our podcast because oh. <laughs> we're recording out of order. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, in that first episode, uh, when she has that conversation with Josh and when she has a couple conversations with Quentin, Julia's really good at like cutting through other people's like bullshit and anxiety and getting to the heart of the matter. And that might be something really good for Penny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Penny can in, provide. Yeah, I think Penny does that as well in an interesting way um, for people. And, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, Alice is the most logical selection, you know. I think, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, it's obviously it's open. I just, I just, I have that perspective on on Penny and Katie. And if you listen, to, I mean, if you watch the way they even react to the the death, you know, um, Katie's was really sad and scary. <laughs> very yeah, sad and I think it's natural, reaction. you know. But again, is it is it partnership? You know, yeah. uh, are they really being partners to each other? And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They do seem codependent sometimes in. Yeah, I way, mean, right? there, like, there's a, yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a codependence, and I think that there's, you know, just for me, what I kept learning, like, I've kept learning for them, it's always been about debt, hmm. debt, um, you know, and so, um, that's my perspective. Uh, do you think <laughs> that Penny's death is going to bring Alice and Katie together, like as friends? Uh, ooh, um, you know, when we see them together at the end of four. In an interesting way, you know, without spoiling too much, I I, I think it's safe to say say that this death does not go so well for Katie. Um, So I'm not sure how much space she has for friendship. Um, I I feel like we're watching Penny and Katie going in opposite directions at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, from one opening up and coming through a space of acceptance and one falling deeper and deeper into survival mode and deeper and deeper into um, uh, defense mechanisms. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. I mean, Definitely. I obviously know how it plays out, but for y'all, it'll <laughs> be interesting how it plays out. Ugh, such a tease. <laughs> <laughs> So Danny, Great. do you wanna you wanna talk about the the next one? Yeah. So um, Penny's not completely alone in this episode. He has a traveler spirit oh, along with yes. him. Oh my god! How have we not talked about him yet? Hyman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Hyman Dustin Ingram, who is just uh, he's a joy, and just I love I love this man. I love you, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I don't know if he's listening. I'm going to probably text him and make sure he listens to this five weeks from now, four weeks from now. Um, but he is um, a gem of a human, a, a, an incredibly talented actor. So funny. I mean, we were just dying throughout this filming. And um, the scene where I bring him, where I pull him in from watching Julie and I throw him on the bed and then we have, and then I turn into the penny and then I walk away and I say, I, I, you know, I need someone I need something bigger to control. Um, that whole scene we shot as one scene. Um, and it was, 
it was just the most fun I think I've had on this entire show in three years, mm-hmm. that scene, just because he's a theater guy, I'm a theater guy, and we just had fun. We just played, and and, and it was just um, it was just a fucking joy. And, and I want to give a, a lot of props to him. I mean, he, he came in, and it's not easy being at a guest star when you come onto a show and have a big part like that when you're like, you know, you're navigating a new culture, you're navigating a new set, and you're navigating just making sure you know you know you know your own shit and he was incredibly prepared and and had his choices oh and and flexible he fits and, perfectly and he's yeah, so great he's, he's <laughs> um and he's and he's also just like like you he uh, he's so smart and so funny i can't say enough things about him i love him that's it <laughs> i'm gonna shut up uh i just want to say that the cardigan the break bills cardigan that he wears i want it i don't know how but ah. i want it don't, 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 don't care how I get that, but I'm, I want it. Well, for the last two years, I have lived with the costume designer, so I can see what I can do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved it. Um, but no, he's hilarious. Um, I think he was yeah. such a – he's just not at all like Penny. So. Right. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, their mix of great. energies their mix of energies is really fun. You know? I, he also just – seems to be like he's been trapped there for how many years and he still doesn't even really know what's going on like yeah <laughs> i love that he was like there's that one scene where um he like he he's talking about like if they find the keys then something happens like he's super invested yeah. in their story but not enough to actually pay attention to the plot <laughs> yeah He's like that skimmer, like the book skimmer. Like, I'm kind of paying attention and I'm really invested, though. Well, and Arjun, you were saying that, like, Penny is like the fans in this episode. He's he's like the other kind of fan. He's the worst kind of fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I, I never thought about it like that, but that's probably true. <laughs> uh, um, so... I wanted to ask a little bit more about that choice... Um, that Penny has to make where he's the one to destroy his body. And he's the one like he's seeing his, he's at his own funeral for like most of this episode, right? Like that's, that's the kind of trope that it, it twists on. But that is a really interesting choice that like, he's the one who ultimately destroys his chances of coming back and, and burns his body, which is rough. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I think that for him, it was two things. I mean, it ultimately became about how do I protect myself? And I think he saw being sent down into the library and being under the thumb of the library um, as an untenable choice. Um, and so I think a large part of it was, you know, if I'm, if I'm going, I want to be free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there was part of it. And then you know, part of just making the choice was, um, you know, I think he was watching what it was doing to Katie, you know, and the, and and the suffering that it that it was, and I think that um, that he said, I I got to do this, I got to take care of this, I I I got to handle this, um, and so he does. Hmm. And then I mean, right it after crazy. that, it was pretty crazy to film too you know because we had our our props department it was incredible um you know they had like this wire and 
and the special effects people. I mean, that was fire. That was like all filmed real. There was nothing like mm-hmm. fake about that shit, man. Except for the body, obviously, because that was not me. Um, but <laughs> oh, but there was a scene where like she opens the body bag, and that is me. Like so, yeah. you know, I was just chilling there in a body bag, pretending I was dead. She just like rolled up and opened it. It was super weird to just be laying in a body bag like that. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird shit we do, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's the weirdest thing that you've done on the job? The weirdest thing? Yeah, like what's the weirdest um, I, thing flashing, you've had to do as an actor? I mean, I'm flashing right now to the to, to the white lady and like having a scene with with a someone who looks like that because that was obviously its own thing and then you know the blood coming out of my hands and Mm. i hate working with blood i hate it it gets everywhere it's like so messy it's hard to come off it's just annoying as fuck um (laughs) it looks good so i you know and and it's and and sarah and john really love it so we we do it but um (laughs) the weirdest thing i've done maybe that i don't know Hmm. okay so penny destroys his body and then like almost immediately afterward, Elliot shows up and like grabs mm. the truth key. And then suddenly it seems like maybe there was a chance after all. Yeah. But what is that chance of though? Yeah. That's the question. You know, what does <laughs> it mean? Is it, it, what is the chance of? Um, yeah, it's a fun episode, man. It's a, it, it's just what's fun about it is that it leaves so much still open. You know, it, really it does. doesn't close doors. It kind of opens things and opens new ones, and that's really exciting. Um, it was a crazy episode for us to end on because we were handed four <laughs> episodes, and then we're left with the biggest fucking cliffhanger. And I was just like, "Well, okay then." <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, you. You gotta wait a little bit. <laughs> I I jumped to the you know the finale of the Sopranos because it also like cuts to black, um, nice. and it's right like it it feels exactly like that. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I really hope that when the magicians does end, that it doesn't have a really fucked up finale like that because I think people are still talking about the Sopranos ending, which is a good thing, but also a terrible thing. <laughs> I, mean, I think that I think that ending's kind of brilliant. <laughs> you like the uh, ambiguity? I don't think it's that you. ambiguous though. No. I don't really think it was that ambiguous. I think it's only ambiguous if you if you don't want to handle what it was trying to say. True. Which you know true. fair. I think a lot of people probably didn't want to. I mean no one wants <laughs> no one wants the like you no one wants the character that you've been investing eight years of your life in to die and to be killed like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also you and you also don't you know, when a book ends, I at least hope the epilogue is happy and, like, lovely. But it, you want enough ends tied. You know what I mean? We don't like, as humans, like, like loose ties. We don't like it. Mm-mm. But, you know, when when he gets shot, you know, the ties of the whole family. Like, what happened? To, it's not just, like, what actually happened. Did that happen, right? Of the loose tie of, like, mentally did that happen. It's a loose tie of, like... What the fuck happens to the whole family now? Yeah. And that's like, wait, but I, I need to know. And so <laughs> the uh, the impulse to believe that it's not that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, 
I kind of love it. (laughs) Okay. I have a love hate for it because, like, I feel like there's sometimes not enough answers in some epilogues. And then, you know, we get post epilogues and have too much information, like, uh, yeah, so with Harry Potter. (laughs) Okay. So I was going to ask while we're on the subject of epilogues, uh, Deathly Hallows epilogue, good or bad, go. I hated it, but I also hate what they've done post the epilogue more. So. Arjun? I kind of wish um, you'd save with that. I, I mean, I liked it. I liked, I liked, I'm a sap, man. I liked seeing, I wanted the story to continue and it was nice mm. to know the story was continuing and people were like solid, you know, and that people <laughs> had moved on to some space of stability. You know, I think that that was, that was nice. And then there was something about the cycle of life and things gone going and things being similar. Like there was something nice. It was also nice um, I became a really big Snape fan, and I thought that character became <laughs> the most interesting to me throughout yeah. the whole thing. I've had a big, I had a big argument on Muggle some the uh, a, a Muggle podcast, Net? yeah, about this because um, people were, were still trying to, people were hating on Snape a lot, and I was like, man, what? How are you still <laughs> hating on Snape? So I liked that. I liked that moment, you know, um, that there was some, some sort of like redemption for him. Oh, yeah. I like. The final book it, as a whole, but like the epilogue, just the whole like 19 years later, it's just kind of like. No, eh. I meant the like, uh, uh, not just a redemption for him in Harry's eyes, but a redemption for him in everyone's. That, that it, yeah. obviously that Harry did the, made it public. The naming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I mean, look, I mean, it's hard. There's no, I mean, I'm really curious because I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, endings are hard. Endings yeah. are hard. Um, so I don't think, especially for shows that are iconic, you know. Um, so. You can't please everyone with endings. Um, like, I know no. that, um the last Hunger Games book is my favorite, and a lot of people hate it. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I've gotten in a lot of arguments about that one. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I have to reread that one because when I read it, I was I was like the other, like a lot of people, I didn't like it. Um, but when I watched the film, which I feel like was pretty faithful to the book on mm-hmm. that, I loved it. I loved it. So I want to revis- revisit it. I mean, I was just kept being struck by those books by like this is young adult. Motherfuckers, yeah. what? This shit is <laughs> yeah. dark. It's very political. Very dark. This shit is dark. Um, that's what I kept just being. I was like, yo. Yeah. yeah. For real. Well, also, uh, like, why were those motherfuckers white? <laughs> well, that's a whole other topic of conversation. <laughs> Uh, to, to bring us back on topic ever so slightly, um, I do have to say that I think the end of, um, of The Magician's Land is like one of the best endings of all time. I love it oh. so much. And that whole every, book is stunning. It's, it's yeah, gorgeous. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It is absolutely, I, it's so hard for me to pick a favorite book from all of, like, from them, to be honest. I go back and forth because I love the second one, um. A lot, which, you know, we're going to currently basically be showing for the most part in season three. I think for me, honestly, I mean, as a piece of literature, the third one is the best one. 
Um, I mean, the way he found his voice, the way he he dropped into it. Um, I mean, I think story-wise and character-wise, the second one, you know, especially the way that he gave voice to Julia's story is really uh, stunning in the second book. But to me, the third book is just is is out of control incredible Um, and just the scope of where it goes to and like the the worlds that we go in and that's i I think that's where we get janet's journey isn't it yeah in the third book yeah sit i cannot wait to see a summer do that if it happens i know in the the, (laughs) i mean i'd be again curious to see how they make that happen if they are if they choose to Mm -hmm. but um yeah they better give us some of her backstory because. Uh. Uh, well, you know, backstory is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I don't know. We haven't really gotten backstory. I mean, Katie's really the only person we've gotten much backstory on. I mean, Ke- Quentin and Alice, yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and Julia, actually. A we little see bit, her yeah. In a little bit with her sister, and now I'm thinking about it. And, and Elliot. You know, a little, a little bit with his. Well, yeah, now we know. Yeah, you're right. We get a little bit. But we don't really like. Yeah, that, sure. You're right. You know that is backstory. I can't. I can't diminish it. I mean, I guess I want to see more of that relationship, yeah. obviously, because it's important. But, but, um, yeah. All right. So uh, we're we're getting dangerously late. But Danny, um, yeah. do we have time for one more question from about the episode? I know you can't reveal anything too spoilery, but does this mean Penny is going to help out for the rest of the quest? Does help out for the rest of the quest. That's the question, right? Yeah, so like Elliot shows okay. up and we might and it seems like we can see and interact with Penny again. Does that mean he's going to help out? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he's he's involved. He's involved. Yeah. Good. I can tell you, yeah, he's involved. How he's involved and how they communicate and all that sort of stuff is is um and what Spoilers. it means to communicate is 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 uh will be answered well starting episode 5. Yeah. <laughs> But um, no, yeah, I mean, Penny's Penny's a part of the quest for sure. Uh, I guess he wasn't. You're right. I guess he wasn't until four, though. Um, I didn't really think about that <laughs> until I didn't realize that. Yeah, in the first three episodes, he's not really involved with any of this shit. Um, <laughs> he's too busy dying and working for the library. Yeah, working for the library. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. It's the way the the quest kind of works on people too. You know what I mean? It's a uh, um, the quest kind of frames everyone, you know, whether we're consciously working towards it or not. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I did have a a question. So, um, in the episode when we see like Elliot, kind of in the Netherlands or Netherlands, which whichever I Neither- always forget how to pronounce Netherlands. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. It seems that the library's gone now. Um, so if you remember, uh, we moved from the library over to the satellite branch. Oh, okay. So, uh. yeah, all libraries in the Lyderlands and um, anywhere where magic exists, we escaped from. Um, I'm not really sure why. I don't know. I just remember in the last episode of the second season it's just like chaos is mm. happening and yeah. magic is it's, being turned off and and yeah. he gets dragged away the story is that we've all left we've abandoned the libraries to go to the satellite branch and that's where okay. um we are staying um i 
and and as we've met the other traveler so i I don't exactly know how many travelers there are in the work in in working in the employ of the library (laughs) but at least the two of us we are the ones that are traveling with books um and that's it so the head librarian is still alive and has not been eaten by cannibals. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> hey, you met her. Didn't you? Uh, you saw her in the first episode. We had that scene together. Yeah, but it was just like but, the cannibals are there. And I was just like, oh, Wait. like oh, no. Yeah, no, you're right. Yes, 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 yes. No, no librarians have been eaten by cannibals. <laughs> well, no, they, no, that's not Well, true. one has, but not uh, one that we care about. One has, at least, but not one that we know, really. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay, so we could go on talking about this episode for hours, I think, but if we did that, we would never get around to fashion. And I know, especially with you, Arjun, uh, you love to, you love the, our fashion report, love to talk about the way (laughs) folks on the show are dressed. So yeah, let's move on. There's been a lot of talk about Penny's suit in the lead up to this season. It's a new look for him all like buttoned up. Did the change of outfit change the way you thought of your character at all? Yeah, I think it did. And I, you know, it was a really interesting process for that. Um, when Magali and I uh, initially, before the season started, were doing our fittings and doing our um, kind of our idea of it, um, we you kind of we penified. If that's a verb, I'm going to make. <laughs> we penified the suit, um, so we made it, you know, somewhat ripped and had the shirt out, and and we're like oversized and and loose and very funky with it. And yeah. you know, we said, and Magali sent it off, and and this is where usually um, costumes is where Sarah is really the 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 one that gets really involved with that stuff, and John mm. McNamara stays out of it. Um, <laughs> But this was the this was the he dove in. He was very very specific about what he wanted, and he really wanted the suit. And it was it, it was um, referenced from uh, Cary Grant in North by Northwest. Oh, and wow. it's it's uh, John McNamara really knows suits, which is not something <laughs> I know a ton about. Um, I like wearing suits occasionally. Um, and uh, but it was interesting. I mean, when I first so at first, I'll be honest, I was a little resistant to the idea of the suit because I felt like it was such a drastic change into into Penny. But then um, as, as I really kind of sat with it and, and was exploring it and as I was reading the first few episodes, um, it really coincided with, it, with the story where we were taking Penny. Um, and I think that what we're seeing is, is someone that I feel like the big growth of Penny, as we talked about it, is this accepting and this accepting of your, um, your being accountable to yourself and to those around you, and um, and and this form of acceptance. And one of the things is, look, man, you signed a contract. Part of the contract is you got to wear a uniform, so you wear the uniform. That's what you do. Like that's the adult thing to do. You signed a contract. Now you you live up to it. And I think yeah. that's where Penny's starting to go. Um, you know, and I think we still added our flares to it. You know, Penny, Penny's still Penny. So there's little like the tie, the way that he knots his tie, um, he mm. knots it in a different way. Um, we put a couple. He probably chose the shirt that had the a little bit of flare on it, right? So he still finds his way to be Penny, but the true, but it's still like, look, man, I signed a contract, so that I gotta reminds- live up to that contract. What? That reminds me of Elliot in the books. He refuses mm-hmm. to wear the uniform for break bills as oh, it's yeah. supposed to be. And he adds all of his little Elliot things to it. Like, 
Right. But, yeah. but, you know, Penny in the past, when you saw Penny in Break Bill South, I mean, he ripped apart the uniform. And, like, yeah. it was it was a way of, of uh, it was it was subversive and it was dismissive and it was disrespectful to the yeah. uniform. Mm. Whereas, whereas what Penny's doing now is this is the uniform. This is what I got to do. That's much more accepting. And, and, and it's adult. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that is the, the story of what he's doing. And, and, and like we talked about earlier, it's, it's, you, you know, pre- um, evidence in the way that he's dealing with his own death versus the way that, that Katie is, you know, he's not fighting things as much. Um, and that's really quite a remarkable thing to see. Uh, you know, I mean, in this episode, he starts fighting again because I mean, he's, he's dead. So, I mean, let's, let's cut him some slack. I mean, the growth is not linear, but you know, that's still the overarching, um, sort of sort of goal I, i'm i'm curious you know i mean we're recording this before the season pops so i'm I, but i am very curious to see what people's reactions is to the suit so uh, as you guys will be my sort of sample size audience <laughs> I'm, I, I'm curious as to what you guys what that was did that bother you was it was it even that surprising or was it not that big a deal to y'all to me it wasn't that surprising just because like i kind of recognized uh, where they were going in a way, just like that it was like part of the uniform that he had to wear it for like uh, the order. Um, so it wasn't really surprising. It was still weird to get used to, though. It's just like, oh, this is weird. But I, I do have to say that you look really good in the suit, RJ. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. You, look, you uh, wear a suit well. Um, for me, right. I think, like Danny, I didn't think it was a surprise here, but like in this episode with, with like, Penny being stuck on the astral plane. And it seems like when you're stuck on the astral plane, you get stuck with whatever it is that you died in. <laughs> um, that's a little bit of a surprise to me. Like the idea that we might only have Penny in one outfit for the rest of his existence is a little, that's a little intense. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, it's... Olivia was stuck in her outfit all last season too. So <laughs> Yeah, but it was only know. one season, right? Like her body didn't just, dis- well, true. Her body stuff is more complicated. We'll put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I, I wore a suit for a long, long time. <laughs> I, was, I got real used to putting on that suit for sure. And it was, I'll be honest, it took um, it took a minute to get used to getting that on every day. It felt weird for a second. You know, it definitely for felt weird for a little while to be in a suit as Penny. It was definitely a, a change, but it was fun too because there. Um, you see moments where, especially as the astral, as as we as we start calling him Astral Penny, um, <laughs> where like it's like playing with the tie and like oh it won't come off, like he like <laughs> playing with it kind of became really fun. How many copies of that same suit did did they make? <laughs> um, well, you know, they always make a, a extra ones for the stunts, you know, for stunts that we do. Um, I don't know how many there was. There's probably like five or six suits for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then the shirts, there were probably even more. Um, uh, I don't know the answer to that. I, I'll find out, though. I'll let you all know. I'll tweet at y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, so is there is there anything about the suit that we might have missed that, that you would find notable? I know, like, the costume department likes to play around. Um, well, everything in the suit, you know, there's always, like, they probably put uh, edges of books to try to hint at libraries. So um, the the collars of this shirt had uh, looked like corners of the book, like old school book tips where they would kind of um, add a different oh, yeah, color the right little, there. Uh... Yeah, so there was that. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, for me, again, there was like the po- the way I tied the tie was something. But if you look at um, if you look at season two with Howard and if you look at, uh, you know, Magena, who plays the the head librarian, Zelda, um, you see that her pa- her pants are supposed to be like pages of the book um, for Howard. Mm. His armband is the spine of a book taken wow. around. And if you, and, and when you, it's hard to see this sometimes, but the background, um, they would make details like a pen, like the pill, the, the lapel pin that you would put on a suit would be, would look, would be cut from pages in a book and look like a little book. Like, so little details like this would be made, um, that the cost, the details that they, the, the department would use are pretty remarkable. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 I, I asked them to, um, <laughs> I asked them to sew the shirt to my boxers so <laughs> that it wouldn't get untucked too much because, um, I was like, I was in it uh, all day. Um, but the first few that became really difficult if I, yeah, the first like- set of boxers that they gave me didn't have the little hole for if I wanted to pee. So <laughs> that became complicated if I, I had to get fully naked to go to the bathroom because it was, everything was tied together. And then they gave me uh, different boxers. So that's just a little behind the scenes thing about what we do. <laughs> that, that's our, very behind the scenes. <laughs> there you go. I've made mistakes of wearing one pieces to bars. <laughs> So I yeah. know how that feels. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah man, it's, it's like a whole, it's like you think you got to be like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I go pee. Oh, but we don't have the time. All right, got to hold it. All right, got to rock <laughs> out, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Danny, you want to take the next, next question? Um, all right. If you could steal anyone's wardrobe, whose would it be and why? I mean, Penny, any other character on the show? Uh, yeah. Besides my own, because Penny's wardrobe is the best. Or <laughs> yeah, beside your own. Okay. Yeah, besides um, your own. I mean, if I could pull off Margot's, what they do with Margot is is I mean, the the what they build is out of control. And wait until you see this season; it is out of <laughs> control. Summer's spoiled. Um, Summer looks amazing. But no, I I love what they do with Elliot, too. One of those two, I mean, you know, I mean, not to play into gender roles, but I feel like I would fit into Hale's clothes a little bit better than Margo. Um, Also, also, very selfishly, they would would be less exhausting to put on. Um, So (laughs) I guess I would go with with Elliot. It'd be cool to see, like... It would be cool to see if they like took Margot's style though and tried to make an outfit for Penny. I'd be I would be down for that. Yeah, I mean it would be interesting. I, I actually, you know, interesting. I, I I hope at some point Penny and uh, Margot get to to know. I, that was one fun like moment a body that we switch had. episode. No, no, <laughs> yeah. just get to like have more. Of, I think they're such interesting um, energies to put together because I think they're so oh, yeah. similar in some ways and then so different. But it would be a really interesting. They would be interesting um, fireworks. Those. Oh two yeah, together. I cracked up when she was just like, "Man, I thought we were gonna bang," and you were just like, "Me too, girl." <laughs> yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was a fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. that was fun to do. The Margolin was also a really good moment for that. I mean, I know that's not like full on Margot, but it was it, it was cool to kind of see her try to pull off even yeah, a little bit. Watch, of- 
I made the mistake of watching them film that scene, and I think I <laughs> fucked up two of their takes because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it was amazing. What she was doing, the physical work she was doing was hilarious. How did she do that with her eyeballs? I'm still... <laughs> Yo, this is the thing about Summer Bishop, man. You don't, she like is a, it's like fucking, it's magic for her. Like it, you don't know where it comes from. I don't think she knows where it comes from, but it just, it's there, man. And she just opens and she commits. I mean, she commits so. <laughs> the, <laughs> when you, when you get to the last episode yeah, and you gotta, you gotta bring me back on and tell a story about it. <laughs> it was, it got a little too, it, it, I'll tell that story. It, 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 on, <laughs> In April or whenever the fuck we we the season's over because that that day was ludicrous. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, um, I think that's all we had for fashion. But Arjun, were there any other fashion things that you noticed in this episode? Anything? Anyone's outfits you wanted to point out? Um, no, I think it was cool to have you know Dustin and someone peri- someone period and like coming from that world. Oh you know, yeah. That was I think that was a cool little like paintbrush to add. Um, you know, it was interesting to see uh, Hale, uh, not Hale, sorry, Elliot's father, you know, and mm. see, you know, the, I think that that visual image of how different they were told by uh, the, the clothing was, I think, really, the, the wardrobe thing was fascinating. Um, yeah. And to have him, like, that's the first thing he says is, what are you wearing, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really, um, but other than that, yeah, I think, it, I think everyone's kind of in their similar stuff right now. Yeah. I think I'm the only yeah. one that's really making a drastic uh, wardrobe change so far. <laughs> All right. Well, we will move on to MVP then. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I can speak for – Danny, tell, tell me if you disagree, but I think I can speak for both of us when I say that you're clearly the MVP for this episode, <laughs> Arjun. Um, I can't even imagine how difficult it is to, like, act alongside people who aren't supposed to be able to see you. And, I mean, for them too, but, like, you have both. You're in both worlds, right? Like, you have people who can see you and people who can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a a big episode. Like I said, it was an b- ambitious episode, um, and it was. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm honored. I thank you for the MVP. Um, where's my where, where my trophy at? Where my trophy at? Oh, we'll get uh, you a trophy. Don't worry. <laughs> um, no, it was it was it was really fun, and it was a beautiful challenge. It was a beautiful challenge. So, so since we have you here, and I know you really like to lift up your fellow cast members, I'm going to ask you who who you were most impressed by in this episode who your mvp mvp is i'm, I'm uh, you know dustin i really gotta i got i really gotta show i'm and uh, you know it's not easy to come into a, a new show as a guest star and have a part that's that crucial and that big and and you know the way that his his energy coming in he was just so about the play he like about the sense of play that we that that makes our show really exciting um He's so specific in his choices, so prepared, uh, and really, um, really knocked it out of the park, and and really impressed the hell out of me. And you know, I I, I got to know him really well, and I'm, I'm fortunate now to call him a friend. Um, so yeah, he's my MVP. Can we get to see more of him in this season? Can I can't tell that? you shit. I can't tell you shit. No spoilers. I'm gonna I'm gonna MVP out though the whole the whole set. Um, for You're a minute, such a just because, because <laughs> no, well, here's why, because, because it was Shannon's episode, first episode, and she was incredibly, um, prepared and did an amazing job. Cause again, it was an ambitious episode, but it was also amazing to watch the support. And there was not one sense, not one iota 
of ego that came in and was like, what, she got promoted? None of that shit existed. It was like, yo, everyone celebrated. Everyone was so excited um, to, to get for her to have that opportunity. And it was really warm. And um, that was really special. That was a really special part behind the scenes of what we went through that episode. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's really nice to hear all the like, what a family you all are. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so I think we're then at ratings time. Yeah. Rate it. Rate Danny, it. How, how many pennies are you in this episode? <laughs> 10 out of 10 pennies. A dime. <laughs> yeah, this episode uh, was a dime. <laughs> and anything you want to add to what you said so far? I just hope we see more episodes that are like this, like very risky, very different. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Uh, like I said, we were left on a pretty big cliffhanger for this, so mm-hmm. I have many weeks Sopranos to think level about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of course, by the time everyone hears this, we will probably have seen the next episode, but... I'm stoked. I'm stoked for the whole season. It seems like a really amazing season. And uh, yeah, it's I'm, it's it's been our strongest season so far, without a doubt uh, to me. The magician, That's good to hear. The Magician King is an amazing book, and since it's taking that quest storyline from it, I'm pretty excited. Pretty yeah, excited. and and we definitely like use that as our landmarks, and we go. You know, it's definitely a. John and Sarah's interpretation of that, for sure. But I think from a quality standpoint, I think what what's interesting, what's paralleled right now is the way that Lev kept finding his voice more and more as this, it like aged better, um, mm. the books. And I think that our show right now, I do think that this is our strongest season. And um, just to tease uh, risk factors, um, you know, episode five has five of the most beautiful minutes that I've ever seen on our show. Um, episode eight is so risky um, and so exciting. I think that's the, the episode I'm most excited about. Episode nine is is ludicrous and our musicals and going to be crazy. Um, episode 11 is shocking in its own right. Shocking. Um, oh. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean maybe not shocking. I maybe hyped it a little more, but it's it's it's. I don't I don't I don't think people are going to see this it's coming. It's risky, yeah. Um, That's good. And then um, you know our finale is quite quite its own shock. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I think uh, yeah, the ride is just getting started. The ride is just getting started. Yeah. Well, I feel like so now you said that all. Like I I want to give this a ten out of ten too. But if you're most excited about episode eight, maybe I should like dial it down a notch. <laughs> they can be two. Di- you can have two dimes in your pocket. You can have two <laughs> dimes in your pocket. That's true. <laughs> then I have twenty cents. Still can't buy a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, Arjun, do you want to rate it? Um, I don't know that I, I don't know that I can, uh, yeah, I don't, rating hard. is hard for me. I'm, I'm really inside it. You know I mean? I, I can talk about favorites, but to have an objective enough viewpoint to say, uh, objectively, this is a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. I, I don't, I don't know that I can. Um, but this was definitely, uh, one of my favorite episodes to be a part of. Um, it, it sounds really vain that I'm saying that because this is, um, I got to do so much, but it was also just the energy, the, 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 fu- it was also so fun. You know, it's a really funny episode. Um, and it was, uh, I enjoy being a part of that kind of stuff. 
Well, thank you so much for uh, for your amazing performance in this episode, thank and thank you, you for, for joining us today, Arjun. It's a pleasure, Thanks. as always. Um, yeah, listeners, thank you for being here with us for season three. Remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Um, really sort of punching this up this season because the more positive ratings we get, the higher we show up in search results, and that means that more fans can find our podcast. So pretty please give us those iTunes ratings. And yeah, rate as that always, shit. <laughs> yeah, rate that shit, exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Physical Kids Pod on both. So yeah, that's that's it. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Mind slide. All right, you recording? Yeah. Logan? Logan, everybody, Logan wrote a little rendition of Hamilton's My Shot. I'm looking at it on the paper. We're going to try it, Logan. Thank you for writing this. It's pretty cool. Let's see how it goes. Throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm going to get a scholarship to a magical college. I probably shouldn't brag, but damn, I'm amazing and punished. Problem is I got a lot of powers but no polish I gotta fight just to stay alive Try to survive, see what I accomplished I'm a diamond in the rough A shiny piece of coal Trying to reach my goal My power speech, unimpeachable Only 19, but my mind is older These New York City streets getting colder I shoulder every birdie and every disadvantage I've learned to manage I can't keep my hands this savage I've walked these streets famished My plan is to fan the spark into a flame But damn, it's getting dark So let me spell out the name I am an A-D-I-Y-O-D-I travel anywhere I like to go. This is fillery. It runs magically. Meanwhile, Ember keeps shitting on us endlessly. Essentially, he fucks us relentlessly. Then King Elliot turns around. Margot's dealing with fairies. Ember ain't ever gonna set this creation free. So there will be a revolution in the century. Enter me. Don't be shocked when your poison book mentions me. I will lay down my life if it sets us free. Eventually, you'll love me and that Oh, I fucked it, Logan, in the last second. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Logan Van Horn. The line I flubbed was, eventually you'll love me undeniably, which is a very penny thing to do, you know, because he doesn't really uh, look for that. Bad house elf.